Hey everybody, welcome to the First Pres Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast channel or our YouTube channel for the latest Sunday messages. We're so glad that you're listening and we are praying that the following message inspires you to take your next steps towards Jesus. Good morning, church. It's good to be with you. Well, our text today comes from Romans chapter 12, verse 9, but I'm going to invite us to pray before we open up the word. Lord God, we we thank you once again for the opportunity to be here together, gathered as your people, lifting up your name in praise. Lord, we ask that you would speak to us this morning, that your spirit would move in our midst, and that we would know you differently because of this time together. Lord, again, you are good, and so we give you thanks and praise through the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. All right, looking at Romans chapter 12, verse 9. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Over the last couple of months, we've been talking together about belonging and loneliness. We've discussed how in our world we're dealing with a loneliness epidemic, Here's the challenge that's in front of us as it's been summarized. The great disease in the West today is is not TB, is not leprosy, but it's being unwanted, unloved, uncared for. We can cure physical diseases with medicine, but the only cure for loneliness, despair, and hopelessness is love. There are many in the world who are dying for a piece of bread, but there are many more dying for a little love. The poverty in the West is a different kind of poverty. It's not a poverty of lonely, it's not only a poverty of loneliness, but of spirituality as well. There's a hunger for love, as there is a hunger for God. A poverty of loneliness, a hunger for love, a hunger for God. Mother Teresa is writing this in the 1990s, which, believe it or not, was over 25 years ago as she's writing this. But I think still it's, it's an eerily accurate description of our society today. In our series on belonging, we dove deep into John chapter 4. We looked at Jesus' interactions with the woman at the well. And then we looked to an interaction between Peter and Jesus. And what we're seeing is, is this pattern throughout Scripture of people who, who are moving from a place of being lonely to then risking being known. And then they become open to God. And then after they've been open to God, they become open to others. And as they're open to others, it's, it's with a new footing, a new confidence, a new basis for relationship. So in our quest for understanding belonging now, we are currently looking at Romans 12 for an explanation of how are we supposed to do this in community? What are we supposed to do as a faith community? How are we supposed to be a place that responds to this loneliness epidemic? What does that look like for us? And again, Mother Teresa, she she says that there's really just one cure for loneliness, for despair, for hopelessness. It's love. When I was in seventh and eighth grade, our school would host these monthly 
dances. And I, I wasn't at that time really allowed to be dating anyone. I, I, I wasn't allowed to really ask a girl to go to the dance with me and would have been a far cry if they would have said yes. I don't know. But, um, but you know, I had friends and my friends, man, they were just like so much more mature than me. They were so cool. And so they did ask girls to the dance and uh, they would meet up and then, you know, they, they would do their thing. And so inevitably what that meant was that month after month, I was just there on the dance floor by myself, heartbroken and, uh, you know, watching everybody else dance with, with their dates. And, um, and then I'd be over there in the corner just humming along, singing along, just, I could be your hero, baby. I could kiss away the pain. Oh, yeah. I mean, talk about, talk about being lonely in a crowded room, right? I, at that point in my life, I didn't need Mother Teresa to tell me that love was the answer, okay? I knew, I knew that love was what I needed. I just needed somebody to love me back. So we're talking about love this morning, but it's not the middle school dance love, kind of brand of love. There's something deeper that we're gonna dig into. And, and St. Paul's letter to the church in Rome gives us a really good picture of what this kind of love looks like. And so I'm gonna give you a fair warning. This, this is difficult. This is difficult to practice. I mean, I can speak for myself. I know that, that no matter what, I can try and like generate, muster up, good feeling, good um, love, care for others. But at the end of the day, I'm just really not that good at it. I always fall short. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty selfish. Like you could ask my wife, she will confirm, I'm pretty selfish. And, and even when I'm at my best, I mean, it's still not great. And, um, you know, I know a lot of you guys, and, and I feel that I can say this from um, probably deep within me, that, that y'all are pretty selfish too, okay? <laughs> and, and the problem that we face over and over again is that we are just sinful beings. And so our best efforts, our best efforts at just kind of like mustering up good will towards people, love, kind actions, it just always is derailed, it's constantly derailed. We do our best, but, but what happens is that within the church, we often have frustration and anger and entitlement and, and consumerism and pride and selfishness. And then people outside the church look at us and criticize us, often rightly, because they see Christians just as hypocrites who are just causing a bunch of problems in society. And so if that's our situation, if that's what we're dealing with, how do we get to authentic love? How do we become a community that really fosters true belonging? Marcos Henry uh, joined our staff this year as our director of student ministries, and he's, he's great. Sometimes in meetings, um, a question will be posed. Um, you know, somebody will ask something, there's a moment of silence as people consider the response, and, and then uh, if too much time has gone by, Marcos will uh, inevitably just say, Jesus? Is it, is it Jesus? Um, because, you know, we're in church and Jesus is the answer almost all the time. And, uh, and that's great. But in, in our staff meetings, it's usually pretty hard to see where Marcus is coming from. Like, what account are we going to pull this budget for this event from? Jesus? I, okay, so, uh, but for us today, that's where we're going to land. It's going to come back to Jesus. So hey, hang in in there. But for now, we're going to turn to Romans 12. And you're going to want to have it open if you can on, on your lap because we're going we're gonna to go chunk by chunk, and we're using a slightly different translation. But at first glance, when we look at Romans 12, it just, it just reads like a laundry list. It's like a whole bunch of random thoughts and spiritualisms that Paul's trying to, trying to thread together. At least that's how I, I view it. But, but really what is happening is Paul is unpacking a theme for us here. 
Paul knows that sincere, genuine, authentic love is just the most central feature of Christian community. And so when you read this in Greek, this passage starts with the genuine love, and then it just continues. It's almost as though genuine love, authentic love, is kind of like the header for this passage. And that's how we're going to approach this passage today. So we look to verse 9. Authentic love hates what is evil and clings to what is good. How can we tell good from evil? How do we know what we're supposed to avoid and what we're supposed to cling to? Well, first and foremost, this is the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. This is the job of the Holy Spirit, to guide us to truth and to convict us of sin. See, we ourselves, we are blind to our sins. We demonstrate over and over and over again that we can't tell the difference between good and evil. But with sincere love, with, with authentic love, God starts to train us and we learn. It's, it's the Holy Spirit that then is working in us and opening our eyes. So a question for us this morning, are, are we inviting God to move in our lives in this way each day? Are you waking up every morning praying for the Spirit to lead you to truth? One of the ways that, that the Spirit works is through Scripture. The Bible is filled with wisdom about what is in line with God's desires for us and what is antithetical to his purposes. God's word, we know, is a lamp unto our feet. It's a light for our path. As we're rooted in and formed by Scripture, we come more and more shaped into God's mold. Another way that the Spirit moves is through community. In community, we are enriched by the wisdom of others and we engage in mutual discernment together. Think about the, the prophet Nathan going to meet with King David in the Old Testament. God ends up using Nathan to confront David to the truth with the truth of his adultery and the murder that he's been involved in. And, and, and it's only when Nathan approaches David in love that David realizes the extent of what he's done. He says, I, I've sinned, I've sinned against God. So again, the question for us today, who, who do we have that's helping walk alongside us in this way? Who is the Spirit using in your life to speak to you? Friends, authentic love, it, it pulls us out of evil and moves us towards good. And how do we pursue that? We pursue it by opening ourselves to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives and by joining with the psalmist every day, praying, satisfy us, O Lord, in the morning with your unfailing love that we might sing for joy and be glad all of our days. Okay, we look to verse 10, and we learn that authentic love is devoted to one another in brotherly love, outdoing one another in honor. So in Greek, there are several different words for love, and each one kind of has a, its own nuanced meaning, but this is philia. This is, in this text, the word Philadelphia is, is what's here, and it's, it's a brotherly love. It's like the ideal love between family members. Uh, for me, my, my brother's a few years younger than me, and, and he's a nurse, and he and his wife right now are travel nursing. They um, pick up a contract for a few months and, and live somewhere, and then contract expires, and they move on to another location. And so um, right now, they're, they're right outside of Washington, D.C. They're getting ready to move to Washington State. And so with that, it's kind of, at times, a little challenging to keep up with, like, wait, where are they again? What's going on in their lives? You know, where are they at in their contract? Are they getting ready to leave? Do they just get there? What's going on? Um, and so we can go like a long time without really talking to each other or catching each other because just, you know, schedules, busyness, all that. But you know, 
if they needed something, if they called and said, hey, 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 we really need da, 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 you better believe that I'm gonna snap to attention. I'm gonna roll up my sleeves because that's my brother. He's, he's family, right? I'm gonna, I'm gonna step up. And Paul says that this is what the church is like. Christians across the globe, we are an extended family. We're bound together in Christ. And because of that, we love one another. Some of you have been part of First Pres, maybe for, for a long time, maybe you've raised children here. So, so this idea might not sound totally crazy to you, this thought of being an extended family here together as the family of faith. But many of us are, are new here and still meeting new people. And so it's, it's really amazing to me to think that the Holy Spirit binds us together in Christ, regardless of how long we've known each other, how long we've been in one another's lives. But, but in Christ, we actually have this foundational layer of relationship that just does not disappear. So then verse 10 goes on to say, honor one another above yourselves or outdo one another in showing honor. In Christian community, we're called not just to have affection for one another, but, but to honor others above ourselves, which requires incredible humility. The classic definition, one of my favorite definitions of humility is, is not thinking less of yourself, but just thinking of yourself less. And I think this is what Paul has in mind when he encourages out-honoring one another. How do we do this? Well, I think we simply start. I think we just start practicing loving like Jesus left, honoring others like Jesus, trying to, trying to view others through Jesus' glasses, trying to see people as Jesus sees them. And we look for opportunities to, to honor, to celebrate, to invest, to care for others. So then, verse 11, authentic love is not lacking in eagerness, willingness, or zeal, but is ablaze in the Spirit, serving the Lord. Think about this. Let's say you've got a fire going, a, a small coal fire, right, with red-hot coals in it. What happens if you take one of those coals out, if you reach in with the little tongs and set it to the side? Well, inevitably, it's, it's going to cool down. That, that little coal is going to cool down and no longer be red. It's going to fade. But that's not the end of that little coal's lifespan. You, if you were to take the tongs and, and, and put it back in the fire, it's going to reignite, right? It's going gonna, it's gonna to turn red again. It's going to be warm and, and hot with the fire. And so the image of this verse here is that we are to be set on fire with the Holy Spirit. So how do we do that? Well, well, like this coal, I think we remain close to the source. We need to draw life from the source. And so friends, this is, this is a call to worship. I mean, it's natural for us to, throughout our lifetime, throughout our month, throughout week to week, to, to lose our zeal, to become complacent, to lose steam. And, and, and yet we're called to be renewed, to be refreshed. And so to that end, we gather week after week we draw close to the source of life together. We give praise to the king of creation together. We unite as the body of Christ. And, and through worship and through the sacraments, we are consistently renewed and nourished. Pastor Tim has, has often talked about worship using the image of, of blood going in and out of the heart, right? So, so the blood comes in, is cleansed, is refreshed, and then goes back out after having been in the presence of the Lord. So here at First Pres, we know that worship trains our heart to beat for God. And the question is, are you present? 
Are you showing up to training? Are you gathering with the body each week to be encouraged, to be challenged, to be formed and refreshed and shaped? Paul also calls the church in this passage to, to serve the Lord. And we heard in the sermon a few weeks ago that one of the best ways to actually navigate out of loneliness is to serve others. And listen, there are so many ways for you to activate into the service of the Lord here at First Pres. If you haven't found your space, if you haven't found the place where you get to use your gifts, please, please reach out, okay? We are in need. We will put you to work next week, okay? This is like for real. We, we need people serving all over the place. And also, it's good for you when you are serving. That's good for you. So verse 11 calls us then to worship and to serve. And then verse 12 says, authentic love is joyful in hope. It's patient in affliction. It's faithful in prayer. In the first few centuries after Christ's death, the church in Rome experienced real persecution for their faith. They were attacked, they were imprisoned, they were murdered. And, and here, Paul's charge to this community is, is to be patient, is to be prayerful, is to be joyful, and, and, and to do that in the face of affliction. And, and I don't know about you, but for, for me, that doesn't seem like a super practical response Right? Like it's not, hey, you are the victims of hate crimes and you're, and you're being publicly executed. Like maybe you should go into hiding would be something that I would offer. Or like learn karate or something practical. Like, like learn something. So, so like this, this seems a little strange, these, these things. But, but then we remember that Christian joy, it comes not from our circumstances, right? Our, our joy, our hope is not from our circumstances, but it's from the knowledge of who we are in Christ, we remember the, the Heidelberg Catechism that we, we talked about just a couple of weeks ago. What is our only comfort in life and in death? It's that I am not my own, but I belong body and soul in life and death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Friends, each of us must consistently be drawing close to Christ. Scripture is just filled with truths of who we are, filled with God's promises of love for his people. And so we dwell on that, we internalize that, and then collectively we, the church, are able to stand together in the confidence and hope that comes from belonging in the Lord. And again, it's just like the redness of that coal. When, when, we, when we come together, we actually are a place where we are reminding each other of the hope we have in Christ. And that hope and, and through ongoing faithfulness and prayer inspire joy and fuel patience and patient endurance in suffering. So then finally, friends, verse 13. Authentic love contributes to the needs of the saints and practices hospitality. You know, hospitality is more than having the right forks and spoons set out at a dinner party. It's more than refreshing somebody's beverage, making sure they never have an empty glass. It's, it's, it's more than just cleaning your bathroom before people are coming over to your house. Although all of those things are very important, especially that last one, if you're, you know, potty training little boys. It's like, I, yep, really important. But, but hospitality is actually identified as a spiritual gift, Right? I get, to, I get to work with a program here at the church called Alpha. And in Alpha, um, it, we offer a space for people who wouldn't describe themselves as Christians to explore Christian faith, to think about Christianity. And so in our Alpha team trainings, we've talked in the past about what kinds of spiritual gifts are most helpful for those who are on, on that team who are serving with Alpha. And, and I would say initially I thought, oh, pfft, no brainer. This, it's evangelism. Obviously, evangelism is the most important thing. We're talking about 
introducing people to Jesus and, and helping people consider whether God could exist. And it's, it's evangelism. But as we've been running this, this Alpha program, we, we have been learning that actually hospitality is, has a pretty significant role to play here. It's pretty critical in this. And here's what I mean. So hospitality, in addition to you know, creating a warm and welcoming environment, it, it can be expressed in the way that you make room for people in your life and in your conversations. When you allow people to, to be themselves, to feel warm and welcomed, when you're safe, when you make people comfortable with your presence, that's hospitality. And you know those people in your life, right? They're the people we wanna be around most often. In our culture, the first threshold that, that a person typically crosses on their journey to faith in Jesus is, is trusting a Christian. You know, our world, it has a bad taste of Christianity in its mouth right now. Typically in news and other media, Christians are associated most frequently with scandals and embezzlement, belligerence and abuse. So what would it look like for me and for you, for us, to be a place that actually exhibits authentic love and radical hospitality? The kind of love and hospitality that, that our neighbors can't help but be curious about and become curious about the faith that we possess. Jesus told his followers, as I have loved you, you are to love one another. And that's how people are gonna know that you're my disciples, is if you are loving one another. So we're called then by Jesus to love like no one else for the sake of the kingdom. And when we do, we become a solution to the problem of loneliness. But how are we supposed to do that, right? How are we supposed to live and love in a manner that Jesus and this passage call us to? How can we, the church, be a source of belonging for others? Well, remember, this is church, and so the answer is? Excellent job. Wonderful. All right. So let's look really quick at this passage once again. And I mean, just to, doesn't this just sound like Jesus? Hate what is evil. Cling to what's good. I mean, Jesus faces evil in the wilderness. Jesus encounters the tempter and, and comes out the other side having clung to the Lord. Jesus flips over tables in, in the temple courts because merchants were, were exploiting the poor and the, the people who were coming to worship the Lord and they were becoming, um, they were blocking that. Jesus knows what it is to hate what is evil and cling to what is good. Be devoted, honor one another, I mean, Jesus loves his disciples and is devoted to the point of dying on a cross. And after being resurrected, Jesus says, surely I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. Joyful, patient, prayerful, serving. I mean, Jesus was constantly renewing his zeal in prayer and solitude, even as he's preparing to be led to his death. And then in his death, he demonstrates the ultimate act of self-sacrifice and service. Share with the people. Practice hospitality. I mean, you want to talk about serving? Jesus looks at a crowd of 5,000 people and says, Psh, I got this, right? Jesus like gets gold in the sharing Olympics, okay? He knows what that is. And, and hospitality? Well, I mean, Jesus is the one who says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I'll give you rest. Jesus makes room for people. You want to know what authentic love is? It's Jesus. Jesus models this love throughout his life and then expresses this authentic love for us in his death. 
And because of that, we lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters as well. Friends, if you've been around First Pres for 10 minutes, you've heard us talk about being light and life for the city. And the light and life that we're talking about, it's not something that's, that's generated from within us. It's not something we just kind of muster up and, and then, you know, that's it, we got it. Um, but it's an overflow. It's an overflow, it's a reflection of the light and life that comes from Jesus. When I, when I think about this, the image that comes to mind pretty frequently is, is like a, a champagne tower, like the champagne glass tower. Have you seen this? So, you know, you've got the, the bottom base of champagne glasses and then another thing of champagne glasses and so on and so on and so on and builds this little pyramid, right? And then at the top of that pyramid, they start filling it. And once that glass is filled, it spills out over into the glasses below it. And then it spills out over into the glasses below it and just keeps pouring on, pouring further and further down, overflowing down. And listen, friends, the, the God that we worship, the God of light, the God of life, the God who is love, has loved the world so much that he's given his son, Jesus. And then Jesus has loved us to the point of surrendering his life. God's love then is poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit to the point that it, it spills out into our relationships with others and spills out into the rest of the world. Friends, we can, we can do this thing together. When our hearts are open to God, when we are open to God's love in our life, we can begin to practice authentic love in community. We can love one another because he first loved us. Let's pray. Lord, you are good. And you've called us to a challenging task. And so, Lord, we, we ask that, that you would equip us, that we would know your love, that we would be filled with your spirit, that we would be an example. Lord, you have called us to something incredible, but you haven't left us alone. You give us what we need in that. And so we give you thanks and praise as we lift our voices and our hearts to you once again. In Christ's name, amen. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Colorado Springs area, we would love to meet you on a Sunday morning. To plan your visit, head to our website at firstprezcos.org. That's F-I-R-S-T-P-R-E-S-C-O-S dot org.